Hola, Admigos, and welcome to the Add to Houston Admigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. My name is Guido Falconi. I am the current president of Add to Houston. I am joined here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Brittany, and um, I'm also part of Add to Houston. And of course, our, as always, our producer, Jacob Danton. Hello. <laughs> Today on the show, we have... Uh, one of my favorite people in the world as our guest. He is a videographer, he's an actor, uh, and he is uh, one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. We have Diego Rodriguez here today. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much, Rio. I love that intro, and, and I think just to follow up on that, my, my full name, because it's, it's so long and ridiculous, Divalvino Rodriguez Contreras Azul. Oh my God. <laughs> Which I know, it's so <laughs> long. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I have you as Don Diego on my phone, by the way. Don Diego. Oh, yeah. I'll take it, man. That's a, <laughs> brilliant. It's a brilliant name. No, thank you for, for having me. You know, I've been a part of Ad2 for a while, and we won the national public service competition a few years ago now, oh, and it, yes. was, it was great, and it was exciting, and it was in Florida, and what a treat that, that was. was. Yes, yeah, that was a trip. good time. Yeah, and then I moved into the pre- president role, and I supported our team and then we we were able to do well the next year as well also yes. do first place so it's, it's been great being a part of that too it's probably the best thing i've done in my life to be honest one of the best things by far so i'm really grateful to be here oh yeah no we are just so grateful that you can take the time of uh the day to meet us here today um you know just to go back a little bit about uh, your involvement with that too you and i met in chicago uh what was it 2017 2018 I yeah, don't something like one that. Of those. Yeah, it was at America. That was the first time I went to an Ad2 national event. Uh, and it was so much fun. We just kind of hit it off. We had a great time together. Uh, so, and then obviously we've seen each other around. You know, we saw each other in uh, Florida, which was great. And then you actually were an Addy judge here in Houston. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah I judged for. Which is awesome. It was great. Yeah, Dwight. May he rest in peace. So, or okay, okay yeah. you know, just hope he hope he's doing well wherever he's at. But yeah, yeah. he thought of of me for it, and that was really cool because I felt you know very privileged. I was probably the youngest person there as well, <laughs> judging. Yeah. Um. So let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of how you got involved with that too. You know, how how did that start? Yeah. Well, I've been a part of a lot of nonprofits, and for a long time, I didn't want to be in advertising because I have a film major. I majored in film production. And I had a bad idea of what advertising was. So I thought, oh, advertising is not for me. It's cheesy commercials, it's, you know, bad stuff. Well, in my career, I started off working with National Geographic and Discovery Channel, which was great because I'm working with these big clients. Everyone knows them. I worked on a show called Cocaine Wars and Pot Cops. And oh, was, was I excited? And I was making money and I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Well, with TV, work can get canceled or, or not renewed. So in this case, you know, it wasn't renewed. And then I started looking for work, and a friend of mine says, hey, Diego, you should think about maybe working in advertising. You're really good at editing, and you've done those big shows. You can certainly do a 30-minute, or excuse me, a 30-second commercial for TV. And I said, oh, I don't, like, that's beneath me, basically. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, I know. Well, it's because, you know, I, I had a bad idea of what advertising was. Yeah, we just <laughs> lost half of our viewership. Listeners. to talk about where I was at, and then... Yeah. And then as I got looking for more work, I said, you know what, fine, I'll be involved with it. And then I met some of the most intelligent, fun, kind human beings on the planet Earth ever. And I was surprised at the community. And it was a stark contrast to the film people who are typically like difficult or 
they were trying to always ask you to prove yourself, whereas in advertising, there was a bit of that, but more there was a desire to want to see you do well. And if you can make them look good or help provide good work, they want to elevate you. And that was really refreshing. So then I, I was excited about that. I got involved with a big advertising firm, Crispin Porter Bogusky, and I started working with them in a permalance in-house capacity. And I started working with like big brands. They have, at the time, they had like Fruit of the Loom, Kraft Mac oh. and Cheese, and Infinity, Domino's Pizza. So I was just working on these massive, massive accounts as an, as an editor. And then I also, you know, as you mentioned, I was acting. So I was, was acting in a Domino's Pizza commercial. But because oh. of, yeah, I know. I'll, I'll just send it to you. Oh, please. So, <laughs> yeah. So because of, of my positive experience advertising, then I started being more wanting to be involved with it. And I'd been a part of other boards and groups and clubs, but no one did anything really. Ad2 was the first club I'd ever been a part of that actually did something and that I actually got something out of. And I felt like for me, it was an education in advertising. But I, I didn't go to ad school, but I felt like I mm. needed to know more. And working in-house at a big agency, you know what like a account manager is, what they do, and you start learning what right. these different you know roles are. And still, as, a, as someone from the outside in, in film, those are such new structures and hierarchies that you're not familiar with. So I just felt like I should really go and, and check it out. And then I met you and, and Brittany and Rose and everyone, and I just have loved the community so much. And everyone is so fun, and and it's a much it's a better experience oh. advertising than it has been in film by a lot. That's so my, awesome. I interned in yeah in LA, and it's just been so much better. So you've worked as both a director and an actor. How did you decide that that's what you wanted to do? When I was in Mexico, so I was born in Mexico. I told my mom I wanted to be an actor. Huh. And then I grabbed a hammer and I was going to smash the TV so I could get inside. And she explained, <laughs> she go? explained it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she stopped me. She goes, you stop. What are you doing? It's not how it works. There's a, there's a studio, there's, <laughs> there's lights, there's, and then she explained to me and I thought, wow, I want to do that one day. But I did really well in high school. And if you're a good student, you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah. Right. And so then I had to like kind of take inventory and say, well, I really like art and I don't want to be broke. And I read what actors make, which at the time was like 35000 on average nationally. I thought, gosh, that's not a lot of money. <laughs> right. and I, looked at, I looked at what producers made, and they can make up to 90000 a year. I thought, hey, that's great. Then I can act and produce. So then I, I majored in film production so I could be a part of it. And then once I got my, my degree in that, I would start to audition. And I started getting, I was represented by an agency, I still am, and they would submit me for roles. And as an actor, you want to do everything. But being Latino, there was a very specific segment that I could do. Yeah. And at first, I was very against it. I was like, no, I'm like an actor. I can do anything. And then I got a commercial campaign with Lopez Negrete, actually. Oh, wow. They were doing an, yeah, they were doing a national campaign. And so they were doing these regional sections. And I was the regional guy for Denver. There was a person like in Chicago, Miami. There's versions of us in this massive campaign mm -hmm. nationwide. Oh, okay. And yeah, and then I started making about 1300 a day. The day rate was 1500 but 13 because you pay your manager 20% oh, yeah. for non-union work. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of money for me at the time. And it still was a lot of money. And so yeah. I was like, yeah. hey, I'm going to be Latino. Sure, whatever. <laughs> That's and that's what you need me to do. That's what I was saying. Walmart con Diego. And yeah. then I just was doing a, a lot of that that Spanish language stuff, and yeah, and that wow. helped me to understand my role in in acting because I think you can act in theater, but there's not a lot of money in it. And if you want to make money, it's really advertising. You want to do commercials to break in, and the Domino's Pizza commercial is great. I think I got paid two thousand that first 
year and then they ran it again. So I got paid another 2000 for not having done any more work. Oh. And that was exciting. You know, someone who's like, yeah. yeah, I was like 20, 23 or 24. So I was like, this is so much money. That's I can't so believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so it really was this lifelong desire to be a part of the medium and then trying to find a way to make it sustainable. Right. Oh, that's amazing, man. I guess I am in the wrong side of the business. I need to go become an actor. Uh, Do it, Guido. Please, yeah. to the dark side. I can, I can speak Spanish, too. <laughs> uh, there it is. Uh, being the Hispanic guy in Houston, I feel like there's going to be a lot of competition now. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got to move to, like, Wisconsin. or And then, you, then you'll really stand <laughs> yeah, out. Then yeah, then I'll be like, the one. <laughs> so... Diego, you actually left, you you were in Colorado for a while, right? And now you've left there for California. Uh, how do you make this decision? What what went into it and what have you learned from it? It's a really good question. So I had, a, I still have a business that's based in Colorado, but because yeah. of COVID, I ended up leaving. So oh. we lost a lot of work. We lost mm. about $80,000 with contracts that we had lined up, which was pretty devastating. And I had a studio, I still have a studio there, that I would pay $2,600 a month for. And so suddenly all this money goes away and then I've got overhead and no, no source of income. And, you know, I'm, I'm panicking. My business partner and I, at first, we were like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then I saw that the WHO had declared it a worldwide thing. And I said, okay, this is a problem. And, and he, was, he was initially conservative because it can't be that bad. And then yeah. immediately we lost so many clients. So it got to a point where I thought, what am I doing in Colorado? You know, a lot of these clients I've been working with, because of working with this agency, Kristen Porter, it opened up doors to work in Miami. So I've been working in Miami already for a while. Yeah. I started working in LA already. I had some friends already in New York. So I thought, what am I doing in Colorado if all my work is, is out there? So I, I thought, I just have to move to LA. I've been wanting to move to LA, but I've been afraid to. I was saving money to buy a house. So I basically decided not to buy a house. I had about 25000 saved up. So I took that 25000 and said, I can just use this as, as backup and you know, not do a down payment. And so that gave me the confidence to just move. And, and so I did, but before I had moved a year before in 2020, I came out to LA and I reconnected with a lot of my friends and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about moving out here. And everyone is thinking about moving to LA. Right. So they were just like, Oh, okay, sure. Whatever, Diego, if you come wonderful, but I said, no, no, no I'm serious. <laughs> you know, and if, and if I come, would you, would you help me find some work or whatever? And they were like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, of course. Well, those same friends, when I went back to Denver said, Hey, because of COVID, we have a lot of editing work that can be done remotely. Would you be interested in helping on a, on a big Google campaign? Yeah. I said, yeah, absolutely. So I started working on this big Spanish language Google campaign and, and that paid you know, pretty well. And I said, I said to myself, okay, there's, there's this possibility. And then I was meditating. Sounds silly. I was meditating and I got this like number. June 22nd was my deadline. I had to be in LA no later than June 22nd. So then I had a mission and I spent the rest of the time preparing and I left like June 7th or something. So I wasn't late. <laughs> you were early. There you go. Yeah, he, he picked right after the winter solstice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that, that was, that was the reason the, uh, behind it, right? Yeah. Half, half the year, right? Like June 21st, I think it's like the half year point. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it? I I don't know what it was, man. I, I mean, I, I, it was one of those things where I, I just got out of a long-term relationship. Like my life was falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I was just like, what, wow. what do I do? Yeah. 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 Move. Yeah. And, and I mean, you yeah. know, from what we talk, uh, things have been going great in Cali. Things so, have been really amazing. Great it's choice. been It's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was filming Tom Hanks' share and 
Danny Glover the other day, and that was wild. I mean, Cher's oh, so beautiful gosh. in person. Oh, wow. And oh. then now we did a different thing for ABC Disney. I was with yeah. like, I'm a huge fan of, of Fall Out Boy, so it's from them, and and then One Republic. So it's been it's been really amazing. Yeah. LA has oh, been awesome. a really cool place for me so far, and I, I think it'll just continue to get think, you know better and better. The most amazing thing that you said right now is that uh, One Republic still together. Uh, I actually <laughs> thought that they had just disbanded like ten years ago. <laughs> No, that's amazing. And, you know, as someone, you know, I moved here from Virginia, so halfway across the country. And sometimes you just give yourself a date, right? Because you're like, you need that that time frame. And you know that if you don't follow through on that date, you're just not going to do it. So I, I understand kind of where you're coming from. And that's that's a big move, man. You, you have some guts. Thank you. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was tough. You know, my, my rent before in Denver was about 800 a month because I'd lived in the same place for years. And they gave yeah. me... A what? good deal, and now I pay twenty six hundred a month in LA. Oh, so it's a yeah. lot more money. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. gonna but, say, yeah, that's it's a little more expensive. That twenty five thousand dollars, guys, that's like two months' rent in California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes, it goes, it goes fast. I know it's it's weird, you know how different cities offer different things. I think the cool thing about LA for someone in film is that you can you you hear about what the rates are for for higher end projects, and you can get closer to them and you know because of being out here i always wanted to work with nike and i worked with nike and i was like oh my gosh i'm on a nike campaign and then the guy who was the lead on the project i've been watching his work for years and i i tell him i'm like i'm a huge fan of your work and then to see him like you know working next to me like this is insane like it's some dream come right. true and some people might be like you should have bigger dreams to work with nike but i'm like that would be for me that's, <laughs> that's a, cool that's a good ever. dream <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's a national level brand yeah. what are you talking about um, yeah. Yeah. So you're the you're one of the founders of Ironsmith Film Studios. Um, what went into the decision of founding this company? Great question too. So my friend, two friends had created a company, and I had had my independent studio for a while, and then they saw how much I loved commercials, and they wanted to do more of it. At the time, they were doing reality, and then nice. one, of, one of the other guys was also like, because we both went to the same film program, and he was also like, oh, I don't like really commercials. But this other, other guy, the co-founder, Tyler, was like, actually, you know, I want to do commercials because there's a, a good business model there. So then we created our own thing called Ironsmith Studios, and we purchased uh, the company from the other friend. We, we purchased it from him, and then we took that old company, we basically closed it down and then we just took over the, the clients and everything else. So that was the, the mechanics. But a lot of it was, I just wanted to find a way to do really cool work and work with, with big brands and try to find a, a way of finding cool opportunities with the right people, you know? And one of the challenges that you run into as a creative in the space of video and in advertising is that you don't always get to choose your work, but if you can curate the relationships, the people, it starts to be in alignment with what you really love. And then the work doesn't feel so much like work. Right. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And actually it's a good segue for my next question, uh, because you guys do produce a lot of commercial content, right? A lot of commercials, a lot of ads. Uh, how, what's the process of that? So how, you know, does the client come to you with an idea, say, Hey, I want to do this. And then you put together like a storyboard or do they usually come already with what they want and just want you to film it. It depends on the size of the agency. The bigger agency, the creative director, the art director, they've got a really clear idea. And my job is I have to execute it and I have to add to it. So not only am I going to take the storyboards and make sure that they're coming across on the screen, but I should add some kind of magic 
sauce mm-hmm. to the whole thing, something that makes it you know uniquely different and interesting and and vibrant. That's what a lot of these big agencies are looking for me to do. So I did a shoot with Kristen Porter. They and really I came on as a as a sort of add on to the photographer. So they were just looking to for me to elevate the quality from the storyboards. The smaller agencies, though, and the medium-sized agencies might say, hey, we have a general idea, like I was working with, with Budweiser, and this agency said, hey, you know, we've got a general idea, this is sort of the look, what do you guys think, and we workshopped it with them, because they're not as big, even though it's a big brand, they gave us some leeway, and we were able to come up with a, and I'll send you the piece sometime, but it's uh, yeah. from Milan Hayduk, who's a hockey player, and we were able oh. to film in the Pepsi Center in, in Denver, which was great, and they were really open to our ideas, and, and even smaller agencies were you know, the budgets are maybe 30000 yeah. or something for a video where I'll sit with the agency and we'll come up with some ideas about what I would like to do or, or you know, knowing that obviously it's the creative director, it's the copywriter who are going to come up with it, but they might right. say, what do you guys think or do you have any ideas? And, and they'll be more collaborative. But but it really re- depends on the size, I've, I've realized, of, of the agency. Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, it's like with a movie, right? Uh, someone comes out with a script, someone comes out with a story, uh, and then the director needs to put their own flavor to it, right? It's not just, hey, just make this into a movie. Yeah, even if they have that storyboard, they still want yeah. something additionally. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So, you know, you've talked about like Nike and some of those other brands, but it's not just big brands. You know, we've worked with big national brands as well as local band brands. Can you talk about maybe the pros and cons of working with national uh, brands versus local ones? Sure. The big one is typically how... Well, it depends on the agency, but how soon mm. you get paid. So <laughs> the, bigger, the, the bigger brands, if you're working with them directly, they usually do net 90, which is tough as okay. a sort of you know, smaller shop. So if you work with an agency, mostly they'll do net 30. So that's mm. nice. But yeah, the big brands will take a while to pay because of their invoicing and their book. Yeah. The bigger brands obviously have really big names. And the Nike campaign I worked on was everywhere last year. It was for the Olympics. So I remember just I would go to a, a restaurant, mm. Whole Foods, a bar it was like massive media buy it was so cool to see that i think that's exciting and yes. exhilarating there's also with those bigger brands less less creativity in a way or there's less mm. yeah, there's less i guess your own your own process because i was editing a, a 30 second commercial or helping edit a 30 second commercial and these campaigns are massive so they'll do a 90 second at 60 then they'll do social media edits sometimes on those teams i'll do the social media edits and you'll be you'll be really working closely with the creative director or the producer of the agency and you don't you don't have a lot you have some but not a lot of flexibility right and there's a lot of mm-hmm. you know prep work there's all these things that you have to do and you're working with so many vendors you're working with the colorist the sound mixer you're working with such a broad network the nice thing about the smaller ones is that you have a little bit more of your own voice in the work and if you have a good relationship with the agency or the brand they'll give you a lot of freedom to explore what you like and that can be really exciting and I've had a couple of opportunities where we pitched an idea to a client. They said, great, we love it. What's it going to cost? It's going to cost this much money. And they go, okay, great, let's, let's do it. And then the end result is something that even now I'll go, wow, that's, that's uniquely me. That's my sense of yeah. humor. Yeah, that's, that's like, cool. you know, over the top and silly. However, it can be harder because then when you're a video provider like we are to a brand, we don't necessarily have all of the metrics like agency folks mm-hmm. do to... Yeah talk about the value add for that. And when and also you understand that video fits within the customer journey process. So I have to realize that my one video may be very expensive. They may not be the best fit for the brand. If they only have say a $60,000 marketing budget for the year, then I have to start thinking, where can I help them out? So those are the, the, the big challenges, I guess, between the right. two. Uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, really cool that you can, 
I guess it makes sense, right? You can have a little bit more of a voice when there's less uh, red tape, so to yeah. speak. Get that creative uh, fulfillment from. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think you know, uh, myself and Brittany were both writers, and certainly we we found that when you're working with a smaller client, they kind of give you more free range to do what yeah. you want because <laughs> they're like, oh, we don't have a voice. <laughs> like, oh, great. But sometimes they give us and, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I love working with smaller yes. brands. Now I feel bad. I didn't realize you were working on stuff for the uh, Olympics. So I don't watch the Olympics, but if I knew you were, I would have at least watched the commercials. I'll send it to you. We had we oh, had yeah. that, that athlete. I forget her name now, but the one that was kicked out in the spot. Wait, remember the one who was kicked out for the use of marijuana? Oh yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember her yeah, name, but her. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, she was she wasn't in it, and then we because we were editing as she got removed, then we oh, popped no. her in it. So it was, it was sort of like a, a thing that kind of yeah, it was interesting. It's a it's a really I, I love that campaign because I moved to LA and I you know to the earlier point about moving to the middle of, you know across the country, right? Yeah. Not knowing a, lo a lot, and then my friend who was in Miami was like, "Hey Diego, I've got Nike here. They want to work with you. Or they need your your help." And I remember just being like, "This is insane," <laughs> and then so I was just happy to be a part of it but yeah so that that was a, a neat you know experience i think that's the other part of that with you know your original question about these brands is that interestingly enough this particular editor who i've worked with he's been around it for so long that he will have say you know so if you do have oh. like a really established player in the in the industry people will, will lean on that person and say well what do you think because maybe this person who's the creative they just started with white and kennedy you know and then yeah. they're doing some stuff and this more established person may have a little bit more feedback or they'll listen to him. They don't always go, oh, well, this is what the editor said. But they're at least more open because they understand that his pedigree is that they've done, this guy's done advertising for Nike for so many years, so people are going to at least consider what he has to say. So that there, is, there is that possibility, but it just takes so long to do that. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. I guess that makes sense. So, Diego, you, like I mentioned earlier, you have worked uh, both behind the camera and in front of the camera. Uh, what have you found? Like, you know, can you talk a little bit about what the difference is between those two sides? You know, uh, whether you have more, you know, what the freedoms are, what the process is, and uh, as a freelancer at times, right? How, how do you, how does that work for you? You know, do you, which one do you like better, and all that. That's a good question too. I love all these questions. So I think that the challenging thing about acting that people don't realize is how much it takes out of you. Oh, yeah. So if you do a really good job, like when I was doing those commercials for Walmart for that year, we would film maybe three days out of the month. But oh, gosh, right, were they yeah. exhausting. You know, you, you, would, you have to be fully present. You have to be fully engaged. You have to be willing to do it, you know, take after take after take. And you have to bring your A game every time that the camera rolls. And I'm sure this is true of theater as well. It's just when you're on set and you have so many distractions, you've got a lot of people who actually don't really care about what you're doing. You've got the people trying to pull focus. You've got the guy trying to tweak the lighting. Obviously they care that you're performing, but they don't really care about your performance per se. They just want to get over, you know, and move to the next thing. So right. that can be draining and exhausting. And it's tough as a creative person because the director, they're probably talking to the client about certain things. So they may not give you that feedback loop that you need. So you feel very vulnerable, very exposed. Even though it's your line may be here's a Domino's pizza, but when you're saying it, you know, 14 times, you're like, did I say it wrong the first time? Am I too loud? You know, you you want that feedback in, in the commercial space as an actor. You don't always get that because there's so much you're moving. Now there are those directors who are going to give you that feedback, which is great. But by and large, when you're on set as an actor in in advertising, 
you're kind of there just to get the job done. So that's kind of the, the tough thing. Now, the nice thing, though, is that you don't have to worry about putting away the gear. You, you do your prep work, you rehearse, maybe you have you know an acting coach or somebody to work with on the ideas. You show up, you do a great job, and then you leave and you're done. And you're just sort of like, whew, you know, that's, that's complete. With, with filming, I'm about to do a short film at the end of this year. There's just so much runway if you're a producer. There's so many weeks of production, of testing. And then when you're filming, you're, you're not maybe as the actor is exposed, but you're putting a lot of energy. It's days are long. And then when you're done, there's the editing. There's still a lot to do. So oh, it just yeah. takes it out of you in, in a much bigger way being behind the camera. But then you can more consistently, I would say, make money if you're behind the camera. Because in my world, I will edit for certain clients. I'll shoot as a cinematographer. I'll direct. I was directing a TV show for a while in Spanish mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever combination thereof. So that's the nice thing about it. With with acting, it's trickier, and the people who are booking a lot tend to have a really specific, narrow, like niche that they're in. And th- that's mm-hmm. when my manager was like, "Hey, you should just focus on the Latino thing." Which initially I was against. I'm going, "Hey, I'm more than a Latino guy." But when you start yeah. seeing the paychecks, you're going, "Okay, whatever. I'm a Latino guy." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, and you know that's crazy because I don't think people realize just how much time goes into filming a 30 second spot. You know, you just you see it as like, oh, that's 30 seconds. How long could that possibly take to get together? And it's like, that's like a four-hour shoot. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything needs to be perfect for it. So, uh, no, that's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, I can see what you mean, but both sides kind of are very draining. But it does it, feel like, you know. It does seem like there's a lot that goes into both the yeah. acting and and the, the, the recording you know, and yeah, on. I think people forget about yeah. the fact that after you record something, you still have to edit it. Yeah, that is <laughs> a long so time. Just turn on the camera. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, editing is is a huge part of. Actually, what I ended up doing after COVID because I was directing a lot, and then COVID happened, and then there was a show called Extreme Latino for Comcast that we were doing for about four years, and yeah, because of that, a lot of the work that was on set then became editing. So there's so much. Mm-hmm editing work right now and, and that's a huge part of of delivering media for sure so what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get into the industry whether that is as an actor or a director internships are really helpful i think mm-hmm. that the key is getting into the industry through having a certain skill set whatever right. you are wanting to do say you want to act or you want to direct or, or camera you have to be really good at it now everyone is going to say well of course i'm really good at it you have to get feedback from a lot of people. You have to get feedback from your friends, your family, from people who don't like you, people who do like you. You need as much feedback as possible because mm-hmm. there's so many people who, who, who want to do it. You want to put yourself in situations where you can meet the people who are doing what you're doing. So I volunteered a lot at film festivals. Mm. I volunteered at the Denver Film Festival. I volunteered at the Red Film Festival. I volunteered at smaller festivals. And they just help you to meet people and get out of your shell. If you're an introvert, it helps. If you're an extrovert, you learn learn what's going on so those are those are key because you do have to build that network i guess finally you have to be willing to really want it and be honest with yourself because while i'm very successful at what i do it's a it's a huge sacrifice that it takes to do this this kind of work it's tough on your family because you're not around them a lot it's tough on your relationships because you're not around them a lot (laughs) so it takes a toll and i i just say that because i think that most people most artists know that but it helps you to know it's a real thing. It, it's not a, an, it's not a nine to five thing. Right. And if you want a nine to five thing out of this, it, you can get there, but it's going to be probably not that for a while. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, especially as a director. Sometimes you might be sent to work on, you know, on location. And right. Like, I don't know, another city, another country. And it's like, well, sorry, honey, I'm going to miss your birthday. Uh, yeah. That, that can, no, that can take mean, a, a big toll on your relationship. Yeah, I was I was working at Verizon Wireless com- commercials in Miami. And when we were being flown out there, I was there for a month, a month and a half at a time sometimes. Wow. Wow. And that was hard. You know, it's a hard, it's cool because it's like Miami yeah. and mm-hmm. working and the food's also amazing and people are speaking Spanish. But yeah, I, I think that's been my experience. Now, here's the other part of it, though, too, that's kind of, I have to talk about. There is a class system in America, right? So if mm-hmm. you're from wealth, you don't have to do that. <laughs> like I've, well, yeah. <laughs> I've seen people where I'm going, hey, you're a director, you're younger than me. This is great. Let me see your work. And I go and I can say, wow, they're, they're not that good, but they shot it on a really high-end camera. Mm. And, mm. And, and now, does that mean that, that the system is totally broken, you can't move up? No, I just think it, it's to say that just know where you're, you can go and know that if you're from a working-class background like, like I was, is that, yeah, it's probably going to be a long road. But if you're not, then don't. If you're, also, if you're a white dude with a camera... <laughs> Probably can level up faster. You know, it's a broken system. It's, it's fine once you accept it. You know what I mean? Like at first I was really uh, upset about that stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, I, it shouldn't be that way. And, and sure, I agree. Yeah. It shouldn't be that way. At the mm-hmm. same time, if you're going to climb a mountain and you just, if someone goes, hey, this is going to be rocky, wouldn't you rather know it's going to be rocky than pretend yeah. it's not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't want someone to tell me Everest is really easy to climb. You know, just right. tell me I might die on yeah, the way. Yeah, because then you're going to yeah. start going and then, yeah. yeah. I like to know what I'm getting into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before it's too late. <laughs> yeah. No, it, that makes a lot of sense. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, there there are certain parts of our country and industry that might not be fair for everyone. But sometimes all you, all you can do is just work hard and, you know, show what you what you got. Exactly. Yeah, people will respond to that. I find that the fear that a lot of people have is if you have an established organization, say like a big brand or an agency, their fear is that they bring you on and you're not a good culture fit. Mm-hmm. And that's a valid concern, right? And I've come to realize that there are those reasons why folks hire people with the same backgrounds. It's because there is that shorthand that you have. Yep. And there have been some projects where I you know, don't have the shorthand, where someone says something very quick and I'm going, I kind of know what they mean, but I spoke Spanish at home, so I don't really know what they mean. I kind of have the loose idea. So then I'll ask for clarification. And some people sometimes will get annoyed with me. They'll be like, well, how do you not know? Or do I have to explain it to you? I, you know, it feels like mm-hmm. you're dragging your feet here, Diego. And I'm oh, going, man. no sé ni nada que me quieres entender. Por favor, explícamelo. <laughs> like, tell me what's going on. So th- there, there is that. But then the, I think the brilliance that people with different backgrounds bring to the table is that the work will be different. It'll be unique. It'll be interesting. And no matter what language the output is, there's a little bit of variety that I think people can get out of having people from different backgrounds. If you're willing to meet people in the middle and, and work with them rather than go against them. Right. Definitely. You've talked a little bit about this, how your friends were very vital for you to uh, find some of these uh, jobs and projects, right? So can you go briefly talk about how networking, how important networking is for this particular type of job? Sure. Well, we all know networking is important. I, I think anyone who goes to college hears that a million times. Oh, yeah. I think to make it authentic and organic, you want to find people who you resonate with already. And that may not be necessarily people who look like you. It could be that you have a similar hobby background um, on some level. Those things are really important. 
But I think the key is not to force it. I think you want to find authentic relationships. Like like you and I, Guido, I think there's a, an authentic relationship mm-hmm. there. And same with, with Brittany and some of the other people in ad too. The other thing is not everyone has to like you. You know, not everyone has mm-hmm. to like you to for you to network with them. You can be like moderately okay with someone and still be a, a work acquaintance because there's mutual benefit to collaborating, right? right. And you also want to go out of your comfort zone and, and just introduce yourself to people and say what you're up to. So, for example, if you're trying to be an art director or a copywriter or a creative director, I think just letting people know what you want to do is helpful and, and share what you're up to. I'm so-and-so, I'm, I'm up to this thing, and this is where I'm at. And I think when you're just authentic and clear with people, most folks are going to be like, well, that's interesting. You know, tell me more. Or they might see your work and say, oh, gosh, you're not, you're not there. Right. At all, you need a lot of work. You might want to look at these workshops or, or whatever it is. I think people will genuinely want to help most of the time. But I think where it doesn't work to network is if you are like approach it. If I was to go to someone and say, hey, I'm, I'm Diego. I deserve to have this opportunity. You should give it to me. Anyone is going to be like, well, who are you? Get out of my face. Right. <laughs> so you, ha- you have to be willing to have humility and be humble and, and say what you want to do. And then also accept their kind of perspective of you. If they look at you and they're going, well, you're more junior than you realize, mm-hmm. that's a valid you know, bit of feedback. We may not want to hear it. That's, that's important. Or vice versa. Someone says, hey, you're kind of overqualified. You should probably try to <laughs> push more. Oh, this is a better fit. And a lot of, I think, creative people, younger people, especially when I was in my early 20s, I had a hard, harder time with getting the, that feedback because I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. That's kind of realize that there's usually something you can do about it. Right. Yeah. So what can a young director do to make themselves stand out in the industry? Directors need a really clear voice in their work. That's okay. typically why directors are hired. They have to bring something that's unique to the table. At the same time, you have to film on high-end cameras for it to be worthwhile to a lot of people. Mm. It, unless the idea is, say, it's a maybe Blair Witch Project or something where the inherent yeah. visual device is lower quality, then yeah, sure, you can get away with lower production value. But I find that a lot of times people want to see a really clear voice. That's if you're just coming at it as out of the street to be a director. I've gotten some directing opportunities through editing where I know what the client wants. I can listen to the client in a way that other people can't. And I am sensitive to their needs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they'll say, hey, well, you know, Diego's doing a good job listening to this client. And then that's allowed for some directing opportunities to come up out of that because a lot of time directing is just trying to get what the client wants. So I think having some way of being, being really, I think, sensitive and open to what the client's needs are, and then finding a way to give them voice and still get what you know is necessary for the piece. It's like you're marrying two ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think, the, the biggest thing that, that would work. And I think a lot of young directors struggle with integration of a different perspective. Because if you've got a really clear voice, which most, most people do if they want to direct, they already have that voice, they may mm-hmm. struggle with integrating feedback like if someone says oh that's too whatever still integrating the feedback and yet making it their own and that takes time and effort i almost would even say like taking improv classes is great because improv is the game of yes and so you're always saying yes and this and and that just helps your brain kind of shift its posture around outside feedback oh that's that's great man i actually kind of wish i'd taken improv when i was younger it always looked like fun I actually took some... Never, uh, ne- yeah. never too late, Guido. Yeah, I think I, it helps you be on your feet. helps you, yeah, you know, come up to know. those challenges. All right, so you guys heard it here. People. Take some improv classes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and if you're in Houston, let me know and I'll, I'll sign up with you. 
Um, all right, Diego. So actually, I think that's all the things that we have got, uh, all the questions that we have for today. This has been super fun. Uh, but before we go, do you have anything that you want to plug? Any? Uh, how can people find you or where can people find you? Sure thing. Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. Diego the actor is my handle. So you can <laughs> you can check that out. And I guess I would just encourage people to join out too. It's been a really neat way of organically building lifelong friendships. And I hope to be friends with you all for the rest of my life. And that's been what's been really neat about the Ad2 yeah. experience is that it allows you a way to meet people where they're at. And again, you're not going to be best friends with everyone, but I think that the three or four people who you meet in the different cities just makes you feel like you have a big family and, and being Latino family is so important. So oh, yeah. definitely encourage people to do that, you know, and, and I've got a short film, like I said, at the end of the year that I'm doing, that's got an actor from the show Parks and Rec in it. And oh, I'm excited no. about that. Hopefully that allows me to start leveraging that short film into me possibly being a TV writer or director yeah. mm -hmm. or be in that world. You know, so that's the next step for me. That's what's on the horizon. Okay. So you're not able to tell, say what the name is yet? Oh yeah. Jim O'Hare. Jerry. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah he, uh, the, yeah, uh, the yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, wait, wait, what did you say? No, what's the, the, name the, what's the name of the short film? Oh, the short film. Oh, it's called Bump in the Night Bump in the or night. Bitten Inc. It's about, it's a vampire comedy about oh, a Latina great. single mom who has to fight vampires to pay for her daughter's life. I would life. totally watch that. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> great. So you say it's coming out towards the end of the year? Uh-huh. Yeah, great. we'll be shooting a little short for that idea, yeah. Awesome. So you guys uh, keep an eye out for that. I definitely will be because yes. that sounds fantastic. You don't know anything. If you, don't, if you know anything about a Latina mom, it's that they are the scariest <laughs> <laughs> people you'll ever meet. You know, they're soup. They're, they're great. But, just offended. Yeah, if you... Uh, <laughs> If you get them mad, if you get them mad, let me tell you, it can be real scary. Uh, <laughs> I have one of those. Oh, okay. Trust me. Um, but no, seriously, uh, Diego, this this has been such a great time. Again, any time I get to talk to you, it's been great. And I definitely need to make it out to LA because, uh, I mean, I didn't want to go back. But if Diego's there, it's worth going. We, we can find it. We can find a way. And if depending on where things are, we could go to the Warner Brothers lot. One of my friends works there. And oh. We can do a little tour. Okay, never mind. Uh, we're going to yeah, do a, a well, NATO trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah, would be fantastic. No, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a cool city. I think it's, for me, this is the second time, so I know how to navigate it. The yeah. first time was really hard. So I mm. think that it's, it can be intimidating and it is, it is incredibly difficult. But if you really want to do film, you kind of have to be here, unfortunately, I found. Because I try to be in Denver and it just didn't really work out the way I hoped. So right. got to be in LA. Well, thank you. Uh, well, again, uh, Diego, thank you so much for taking the time for us. And, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. And thank you to Great. everyone for listening today. Cheers. Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals, aged 32 and under, who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an amigo, Join us at, at the number two houston.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at, at the number two Houston. Thank you for listening.